Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church around the world celebrates the third Sunday of Advent. Now, some of you might remember, a long time ago, we used to, as a church, call this Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete is a Latin word which means rejoice. In fact, it's an imperative, a verb. It's telling us to rejoice. Essentially, we should. And in the first and second readings, they tell us, Isaiah and St. Paul, they tell us that we as Christians should be a rejoicing people because of all that God has done for us, not just personally, but also for the entire world. The first and second reading are very appropriate. Just look at the first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah says, I rejoice heartily in the Lord, and my God is the joy of my soul, for he has clothed me with the robe of salvation. Well, we have to realize again who Isaiah is talking to. The Israelites right now are living as slaves to the Babylonians. And he's telling them that there is this message of hope. So they should rejoice in the Lord for all that he is going to do for them. Now, we can only imagine that must be something difficult for the Israelites to take in. Think of it. You're living as a slave in a foreign country. And someone comes up to you and says, hey, you should rejoice in God and the favor that God has for you. Well, you would find that hard to believe, wouldn't you? You know, given your current situation, given how you're living in slavery. See, what Isaiah sees is the future. As the prophet, he's able to see, the, he has the gift of looking into the future and seeing one day that the Israelites will be liberated and they'll be allowed to go home and live free like they did before the Babylonian exile. And so that's why he's telling the Israelites already to rejoice in that great day that is to come. So it's a message of hope for them. Turn to the second reading from St. Paul, St. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. He says, Brothers and sisters, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In all circumstances, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Paul right now is writing from a Roman prison. He's in prison because essentially Paul is publicly proclaiming Jesus Kurios, Jesus Christ is Lord and King, rather than Caesar. And so Paul, he now writes to us and says we should be rejoicing. Now realize again, Paul is sitting in a Roman prison. His freedom has been taken away from him, and yet that doesn't stop him from rejoicing. We're telling us to rejoice in the fact that we now have a union, a lifelong union with God, and how God has entered into a life, and now we are changed forever because of that, changed for the better. And so we should rejoice, but we should understand that word rejoice. It doesn't mean we should be giddy. It doesn't mean that we should be on an emotional high, 
or artificially stimulated. No, not at all. If you look at the key figures during the season of Advent, Mary, Elizabeth, St. John, Isaiah, they all are compelled to rejoice. Why? Because they have found favor with God, just like we have. God has now entered into the life, and they recognize it, and their lives are changed for the better because of that. So they're naturally compelled to rejoice in the Lord. Now, again, that does not mean that now that God is in our life, that life is going to be eternal bliss. No. All of us have faced challenges in our life or are facing those challenges or will in the future. You know, life is not always easy. You know, many of us know that. You know, day in and day out, we face maybe physical challenges, poor health, maybe emotional, psychological challenges. Maybe we face an abusive relationship. Maybe we face the unexpected death of a loved one, addiction, whatever it may be. We have all encountered challenges in our life, elements of pain. And yet, deep down, as Christians, our natural inclination is to rejoice in the fact that God has now linked his life with us, that we now share a life with Christ. And it's a life that promises immortality and eternity to come. Now, St. Bonaventure once said, a great indicator of the Holy Spirit present and working in and through us is joy. Mother Teresa always would tell her nuns, joy is the sign of union with God. And who would know that better than Mother Teresa? If you see most pictures of Mother Teresa, especially when she's ministering to people, there's always a warm smile on her face. Not a giddy smile, no, but just a simple, warm, compassionate smile. Now, Mother Teresa's life was not easy, not at all. In fact, it was very hard. When she established her order, it was an order that worked in the worst slums in this entire world. You know, it was a hard work. They took care of malnourished babies, people that were homeless, dying, people that had no access to health care. And yet, she always had that simple smile on her face. It was the sign of God's presence. The source of that smile always, her union with God. Now, with that in mind, go into the first reading from the prophet Isaiah. How does it begin? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. Well, when we hear this for the first time, we may say to ourselves, you know, this sounds very familiar. This sounds, you know, like I've heard it before. Well, you have. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, this is his very first homily he preached. Remember the great scene? Jesus, he begins his ministry. He goes to the synagogue on Sabbath, just like any devout Jew would. It comes time to read the passage of Scripture. Immediately, Jesus pops up. He takes the Scripture rolls. He turns to this Scripture passage from Isaiah, and he reads it. And then he sits down, and it said, Everyone in the synagogue were mesmerized by him. Well, this is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he reads intentionally this specific passage from Isaiah. Why? Because this passage identifies not only the identity of who Jesus is, but also it identifies his mission, his ministry, and how he's going to save the world. That's why it's so important for us to understand it. 
So let's break it down. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Well, the Lord has anointed Isaiah as well as the Israelites. He is with the Israelite people to eventually liberate them. But he's also with Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry. Now, the Hebrew word that describes the Spirit is ruach. Where else do we see that word ruach used in sacred scripture? Well, how about Genesis, the story of creation? It says, the Ruach, the Spirit, hovered over the surface of the waters and separated the water from the land. Where else do we see the Ruach hovering? Well, Jesus, right after his baptism, he gets out of the Jordan River and the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, hovers over him. Where else do we see it? Well, Jesus, when he breathes upon the apostles, he tells them, receive the Holy Spirit. And now you see the Ruach hovering upon the apostles as our church comes to life. And see, that's exactly what's happening here. We see the Holy Spirit hovering over people, liberating them, establish a union with them, with God. You know, the same thing happened to us. At the moment of our baptism, we received the Ruach. It hovered over us. And we received the second installment at the time of our confirmation. And so now the Ruach, the Spirit of the Lord, now hovers over our will and our intellect, over our heart and our soul. Now the passage continues. It says, He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. Well, didn't Jesus do just that throughout his entire ministry? Jesus always healed people with many different ailments whether they are physical ailments, emotional, psychological, or even spiritual. He healed all people. Next, it says, To proclaim liberty to captives and release to prisoners, to announce a year of favor from the Lord. Well, Jesus now comes and he frees us from our captivity. And our captivity comes in many different forms. Remember we talked about a couple weeks ago, you know, the classic Advent song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and Ransom Captive Israel. Well, we are ransomed by Jesus Christ. Through his death and resurrection, he has paid for our captivity, for us being held hostage. But our captivity comes in different forms. It comes in the form of sin, maybe fear, depression, anxiety, maybe addictions, or maybe it's just self-imposed captivity, our envy, our greed. We, we hold grudges. Whatever it is, Jesus now gives us the hope that we will be rescued from that captivity. Christ now comes and he helps us leave behind anything that hinders us from drawing closer to him. And see, that's the key. When we are liberated, we come to know our true self, our true identity. A great example of this is in the first reading in the Gospel. What's happening here is the Levites have been sent out to the Jordan River, badgering John, trying to find out who he is and what he's doing. Notice what it says here. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to John to ask him, Who are you? He admitted and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. So they asked him, What are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, No. So they said to him, who are you? So we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say for yourself? Well, then John tells them exactly who he is. 
and why he's baptizing in the Jordan River. See, the Ruach now hovers over John, the Spirit of the Lord. And now John knows his identity. He not only knows his identity, but he knows his mission. And he carries it out. See, the same thing holds true with us. Because the Spirit, the Ruach, hovers over us. I've often given you that quote from St. Irenaeus. God is glorified when the human being is fully alive. Well, when are we fully alive? When we're no longer held captive. You know, our society, our culture, our mass media, they tell us how we should live our lives, what we should say to be politically correct, what we should value. Well, that's being held captive. Well, the Ruach and Jesus Christ comes into our life such that we are no longer held captive by those things by sin, depression, anxiety, abusive relationship, our culture. You know, we are liberated by Christ. And now we're free. We're free to live, to be the person that God created or intended us to be. And see, now we have union with Christ. And that is the hope that always we will live a liberated life. Always we will live the person that God created and intended us to be. See, then we always will give glory to God. And see, that's the reason why we must rejoice. Today, yes, it is Gaudete Sunday. We light the pink candle on the Advent wreath to remind us just that. But most importantly, we have to take in the words of the prophet Isaiah, as well as Paul for this weekend. We have to allow those words to resonate deep with inside of us and always be a people that rejoices in the presence of God in our life, and how the presence of God, like Mary and Elizabeth and St. John, has changed us forever, has made us a better people because of the life that we now share with Christ. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.